Well, good morning. Merry Christmas or Happy New Year. I don't know which one. Uh, wasn't that breakfast amazing? It was so good. I was saying to Rich on the way over here that I haven't had nearly enough carbs or butter <laughs> or sugar, and I was really missing that, so I'm glad that I got that here. Um, I think it's so awesome that the entire church gets to come together and um, enjoy that wonderful breakfast. When Susie asked me if I would preach today, she informed me that it was two services combined into one. And so I took that to mean that I have twice as long to preach today. <laughs> it's going to be a long, long couple of hours. I hope you had some coffee with your breakfast. Actually, you know, Christmas 2018 is in the books, and our Advent season has drawn to a close. And this just feels like the right time when people contemplate 2019 and what that means. And for millions of people, that means making resolutions. And I don't know if you're a resolution maker or not. The, resolution, the word resolution means a firm decision not to do or to do something. And pretty much every list of resolution includes the to-dos and the not-to-dos. But according to various news sources on Google, these are the most popular resolutions. Exercise more, for sure. Lose weight. Yeah, I started a diet on Friday, and I ended it this morning. Um, <laughs> get organized. Learn a new skill or hobby. Okay, that sounds, that sounds good. Live life to the fullest. I, I think, why not? We should do that. Save more money. Spend less money. I read that Americans spent $810 billion between Thanksgiving and Christmas, so I can see why this is necessary. Uh, quit smoking. I think in Colorado that probably needs to be modified. <laughs> quit smoking what? Uh, spend more time with family and friends. Well, we all just did that, so we got plenty of family and friends. <laughs> for sure. Travel more, uh, except for over Christmas, that's totally a hassle. And read more, yeah. So most of these are related to behavioral matters like getting organized and saving money. Some are related to how we spend our time, like a new hobby or traveling. And some are related to health matters, like quitting smoking. But did you see on there that none of these popular resolutions are related to your spiritual life? Yeah. Here at Platt Park Church, our goal is for everybody to become a passionate, devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And I love that goal. But like any goal, to achieve it, you have to do some work towards it. So I have a new resolution for you, a new goal I'd like you to put onto your list this year. And it is this. Be like Paul. You know who Paul is, right? Paul is the apostle, the guy who's also known as Saul the one who wrote 24% of the New Testament. He was an apostle, but not one of the original 12. He became a, an apostle after Jesus died and was resurrected. Paul was very instrumental in getting the organization that we call the church off the ground. In today's terms, you might think of him as the COO of Jesus, Inc. And he led a fascinating life. In fact, he's one of the few people in the New Testament where we get to see his life decade after decade. And because of that, we can really study the arc of his life from a young man to an older man. And we all have an arc in our life as well, a beginning, many points along the way, and then an ending. And that's what we're going to talk about today. 
We're going to talk about the arc of Paul's life and where you are in the arc of your life. Well, Paul's early years were spent in Tarsus, a regional Roman capital located in modern-day Turkey. He was born in 5 AD. His parents were Roman citizens, and therefore he was a Roman citizen too. When he was fairly young, in his mid-20s, he moved to Jerusalem to live with family members and also to further his education, his religious studies. He was exceptionally bright, and he studied under the most prestigious rabbis in Jerusalem. He undoubtedly expected that he was going to join the temple uh, organization and become a leader in the Jewish faith. By his mid-20s, he was in a good position to get an important job, and he saw his future there for sure. You know what? He's really like any other bright young person who studied hard and was reaching for a goal. And perhaps you were like that in your teens, working hard to achieve a goal for your higher education or your future career. Or maybe you're directing your children in that way right now, working towards their education and future goals. Well, something very dramatic and important happened to Paul to change his life's plans. While Paul was studying to become a Pharisee, he was also paying close attention to a new emerging sect that was known as the Way. This was the name given to Christians early on. And the sect was growing in numbers. And Paul considered this to be a threat to the Jewish faith. And he watched with no mercy as one of the sect's disciples, Stephen, was stoned to death. So he decided to join in to try to quell this rogue organization. And he met with the Jewish leader at the temple, Caiaphas, the high priest, and obtained warrants to arrest members of the organization in Damascus, Syria. At the age of 26, Paul set out to Damascus with a group of men that included Jewish soldiers. And what he wanted to do was to go there, find members of the way, men and women, arrest them, and bring them back to Jerusalem for trial. But you see, God had a totally different plan in mind for Paul. In fact, his future would be very different from what he had envisioned. Paul's encounter with the risen Christ happened just a few miles outside of Damascus, and it turned his whole life upside down. And let's look at this story. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, and for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Instead of the future Paul had in mind, Jesus had something else planned for Paul. He was selected by Jesus to take the story of Jesus' life, 
death, and resurrection out to the masses. And as he sat blinded in Damascus, uh, he must have prayed and considered what all this meant for him, somebody who was a devoted follower of the Torah. How was he going to process all this? So Paul, like every Christian who has ever lived, uh, had an encounter with Jesus. And we have an encounter with Jesus, too. It may not be as dramatic, but certainly we have a moment in time when we commit our lives to Jesus. Now, mine happened when I was about 25 years old. I was at my parents' house uh, visiting, and down in my brother's room, he was a Christian. We had been raised Catholic, and I took his Bible that was just there on the nightstand and started flipping through it, and I ended up in Matthew, and I started reading the Nativity story. And when I was reading that story, I was just so touched by it, and it just struck me that that story was so important. It was a true miracle, really a miracle. And uh, I just believed it, and at that moment, I prayed for Jesus to come into my heart, and he did. And it was so important to me because about a month later, my dad died. So that was the first crisis I ever faced as a Christian, and I'm so grateful that I had my faith to sustain me during that time. But in, in many ways, the trajectory of my life changed dramatically, as it does for everybody who becomes a passionate, devoted follower of Jesus. So Paul had to figure out to how to do the job that he was destined for, and this took some time. After his commissioning, Paul immediately began to preach in the synagogues in Damascus, and he spent three years in Damascus and the Syrian desert. But he knew that his job was much bigger than being on his own making converts in the desert. To fill his commission, he would have to be aligned with the leaders of the way. And his credentials, while very impressive, wouldn't matter to the Christian leaders back in Jerusalem. He would have to convince them that he truly had become a convert and that he wanted to be aligned with them and that he was sanctioned by Jesus to do that. So fortunately, he had an ally in Barnabas who knew the Christian leaders in Jerusalem and who spoke on his behalf. So Paul goes back to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter and James, and he begins to preach and teach in Jerusalem. But he gets run out of town by the Jewish leaders, and this is something that he will have to get used to because he gets run out of town all the time. He then heads back to Tarsus, and he spends five years in Tarsus. And it's during this period that Paul becomes a tent maker, it's a profession that's easy, easily transferable to any place that he goes. And it provides a point of entry into every local community. So it's almost been a decade since, Jesus, since Paul's encounter with Jesus. He's now in his mid-30s. Since he got commissioned by Jesus, he has prepared for his profession by working on his message and engaging with the Christian leaders. But now he's back in Tarsus, learning how to make tents. And I always have wondered if Paul felt any kind of frustration or confusion at this point in his life. Like, for sure, he's thinking, I had this amazing encounter with Jesus, and now, where am I? What am I doing? Uh, and it just feels sort of like a lull in the arc of Paul's story. And you know what? We all have those in our lives, too, for sure. It's a period that feels like a lull. Maybe it's a lull in your personal life or your life at work. But it just feels like nothing is happening. 
I remember when Rich and I were raising our three kids in those middle years when they were going to school and we were going to work. It just felt like a hamster wheel. Like we're just doing the same thing every day. And I didn't always recognize it, but the fact is that that day-to-day work was very important to the lives of our kids and to our family. So Paul's story reminds us that it's even during the lulls of life, God is working to prepare us for the job he has in mind. And life just goes on, and we need to do the work to make sure that Jesus is a part of our life at all times. Well, Paul finally gets his first substantial job after his time in Tarsus. His name resurfaces to the Jewish, uh, to the Christian leaders in Jerusalem, and Barnabas is sent to Paul to make him a job offer. And the offer is this, move to Antioch and build a church there, particularly among the Gentiles. And now Antioch was a major metropolitan city, the third largest city in the Roman Empire with a population of over a half a million people. Uh, for someone whose mission was to become an apostle to the Gentiles, any time spent in Antioch would be critical. Paul would have to learn how to bring together Jews and Gentiles into one community. Not an easy thing to do. This is where Paul really launches his career, and he gets substantial backing from the church there. Um, Paul spends six years in Antioch, working through the many challenges. He has honed his strategy. He's proven himself to Christian leaders in Jerusalem, and he's also gained permission to do what he wants to do, which is to extend his ministry further beyond Antioch. When the timing is right, God has Paul step into an expanded role. And God does that with us as well. It's all about the right timing and using the gifts that God has given us to serve the church. Here at Platt Park Church, there are many ways, both large and small, for you to get involved and serve this really great community. You see, God wants you to use your time, your talent, and your treasure to support his earthly kingdom. And that includes this church right here. Paul's success in Antioch leads to an expanded role. He's now in his early 40s. He launches his first missionary journey around the region to Cyprus, Pamphylia, and Galatia. He takes Barnabas and John Mark with him He likes to work in teams of three, and he develops a strategy that he uses during all of his journeys. In each new territory, he goes first to the Jewish synagogues. As Jews themselves, this was a natural point of connection. As a visiting rabbi, Paul would regularly be invited to come into the synagogue to preach, and this is in part because of his credentials as a Pharisee. What the local Jews in the small towns didn't realize is that Paul was going to preach something very different than what they were expecting. Of course, he's preaching the message about Jesus. And this leads to negative reaction on the part of the Jewish leaders. Paul and his cohorts are often run out of the synagogues, and when they are, they simply regroup and teach somewhere else, or they move on to another town. It's also during this time that Paul must handle an emergent personnel problem that's happening. He and John Mark are not seeing eye to eye about their travel plans. Paul wants to keep going, pushing ever further out, and John Mark wants to go back to Jerusalem. And so they, they split up. They part ways. 
So Paul's first missionary journey is definitely successful. The, the team has, though, mostly ventured into small towns. Paul is anxious to get into big cities, major metropolitan areas. But he's getting this really important practice in these small towns. And God is honing him, uh, making use of that time in the small towns. It's also during this trip that Paul realizes that he has to have a team who has his back and will respect his authority as a leader. The split with John Mark was very painful. John Mark later becomes uh, Peter's companions, and he writes the Gospel of Mark. So we too have challenges during our long walk with Jesus. Our challenges in life often center around people and relationships. You see, for Jesus, it's all about the relationship with him and our relationship with each other. And it feels like we need a lot of practice and patience to get those right. It takes decades for us to figure out how to do that on a regular basis, for sure. So a controversy develops between the leaders of the early church, causing a rift in the church. Paul's been very successful in the field, but this one critical issue continues to come up over and over. How exactly does a Gentile become a Christian? Do they first have to become Jews and become circumcised? Or do they simply become Christians by believing and being baptized? Paul immediately realizes the gravity of the situation, and he speaks out in no uncertain terms. The true badge of membership in God's people was now faith in Jesus, and it didn't include circumcision or the food laws detailed in the Torah. It was a matter of first principle as far as Paul was concerned. Well, not all of the Christian leaders agreed with him, and so they had to convene a council, and this happened in Jerusalem in 49 AD. The end result was that they ruled in Paul's favor. And with this ruling in place, the church was unified in its thinking about the membership of the church, and Paul was free to continue his journey. Paul's mission and journey continued for roughly 15 more years. It's during this part of the arc of Paul's life that he travels extensively. It's been said that he traveled over 10,000 miles, which was no easy feat in those days. He taught and preached at ever larger cities, and Rome was clearly in view. And it is perhaps uh, possible that Paul went to Spain as well. Paul's life came to an end was when he was in his late 50s, early 60s. He may have been martyred in Rome in around 62 AD. At least that's one of the plausible scenarios. We just don't know for sure. So now that we've looked at Paul's life, just ask yourself, where are you in the arc of your life, in your Christian walk? Are you at the beginning? Perhaps you've just become a devoted, passionate follower of Jesus. We all have that encounter with Jesus that changes the trajectory of our life. Again, it might not be as dramatic as Paul's, but it's still the same outcome. Are you learning about your faith? Paul was a dedicated student of the Torah. He was well prepared to defend his faith and to explain to others who Jesus was and why he came to earth. You know, the New Testament is written in such a way that you can learn it and share it. It's written in a simple, 
common language. Perhaps this is your season to learn more about the Bible. Are you at the point where you want to serve Jesus? Paul was committed to serving Jesus, and we do that too, just in our own way. God wants you to use the skills you have to serve the church community right here at Platte Park Church. So make it a part of the arc of your life. Are you mature enough to, in faith to be obedient to God's timing? Even though Paul was anxious to build the church, it took decades to do it. Anytime you're building something new, even with God on your side, it takes time and effort. We have to be aware of and obedient to God's timing. Are you willing to work with the community of believers? Paul realized that he had to work with others to achieve his goal. He couldn't do it alone. We are designed to be in a community, to help each other. And it takes practice and kindness to work together in the imperfect world known as the church. Paul demonstrated that even when it got hard, to the point of physical harm and imprisonment, he stuck it out. Do you stick it out when your faith gets really, really hard? You know, and I don't know what you're going through. Maybe it's an illness or a family issue or something going on at work. Whatever it is, just know that God is with you in the middle of it. He's always with you. When Paul was reflecting back on the arc of his life, very likely at the very end of his life, he had this to say, and this is from Eugene Peterson's version of the New Testament, The Message. I can't impress this on you too strongly. God is looking over your shoulder. Christ himself is the judge with the final say on everyone, living and dead. He is about to break into the open and with his rule, with his rule. So proclaim the message with intensity. Keep on your watch. Challenge, warn, and urge your people. Don't ever quit. Just keep it simple. You're, not going to, you're going to find that there will be times when people will have no stomach for solid teaching, but will fill up on spiritual junk food catchy opinions that tickle their fancy. They'll turn their backs on truth and chase mirages. But you, keep your eye on what you're doing. Accept the hard times along with the good. Keep the message alive. Do a thorough job as God's servant. You take over. I'm about to die. My life and offering God's altar. This is the only race worth running. I run hard right to the finish, believed all the way. All that's left now is the shouting. God's applause. Depend on it. He's an honest judge. He'll do right not only by me, but by everyone eager for his coming. I just love that sentence. This is the only race worth running. I run hard right to the finish, believed all the way. I just think that's so meaningful. So I'm going to encourage you in 2019 to have that be the year where you become more like Paul. If you're interested in serving this church, check out the, all the volunteer opportunities that are available. You can find them listed on the website. If you're interested in learning more about the Bible, join one of the study groups that start in February. I'll be teaching again the Jesus Chronicles. And for this next session, we're going to start uh, with 
year one of Jesus' ministry. I'd love to see you there. If you're interested in learning more about your Christian faith, plan to come to Israel with us in March 2020. We'll have information about that trip coming up. And you can also come to that trip uh, to the Museum of the Bible. I've been there. It really is amazing. And we'll have an information meeting about that on February 3rd, after the 1030 service, but before the Super Bowl. So <laughs> plenty of time. So when you're setting your New Year's resolution, don't forget to add this to your list to be like Paul. It's a resolution worth pursuing this year and every year of your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this year, and we also thank you for this community. What you call the church is so important to you. We are grateful to be a part of the church. We pray for Platte Park Church, for its leaders, and for everybody in it. We pray for this wonderful community. We pray for the church nationally and internationally. The church reflects you, Jesus, and we're grateful that you gave us men like Paul to help to build it. In everything, we think of you and we pray to you. And we're just so grateful. In your name we pray, amen.